Hey there, fellow parent entrepreneurs. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to join us here on the Kenza Pod. My name is Tiffany Jones. I'm the co-founder and CEO of the Kenza Collective, where we empower and educate parents who are making the transition from working for the man to working for themselves. Our goal is to help you create a life where you have autonomy, freedom, and the power to dictate how you spend your days, all based on your family's unique needs. So if you're ready to hand in your notice and experience the freedom that comes from working for yourself, or if you've already done it and are in the trenches trying to manage all the pieces, you're in the right place. Be sure to check out kenzacollective.com for all kinds of resources specifically geared toward the busy working parent. And thanks again for being here. Now let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to the Kenza Pod. Today we're doing another episode in our ongoing series of our So Ya Wanna Be Ya episodes. These episodes really have a purpose of trying to paint a picture for you, dear listener, of what it's like to do specific freelancing, consulting types of jobs out there. We want to help you understand how you can take your existing skill set, background, and network, and all of those great things and translate it right into a consulting career. Even if that's maybe not what you want to be doing forever, it's nice to sort of have that little stepping stone and that bread and butter that's something you're comfortable with to go out and do. So you can find more of these episodes on our website, kenzacollective.com slash blog, and you can search and filter specifically for the So You Want to Be episodes. And we have everything in there like real estate agent, uh, project manager, um, food blogger. What else do we have, Beth? Uh, oh gosh, um, we have a ton of them. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> book, book bookkeeper, yeah. bookkeeper, bookkeeper, which is a great um, one. I'm from the finance side, so I'm always like, go be a bookkeeper. It's great. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we have. Marketing um, and communications consultant, mm-hmm. online business mm-hmm. manager, virtual assistant. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. All kinds of them. Oh, landscape designer. Oh, landscape designer. That's Remember a really Liz good one. Ryan? That was a good one. So good. <laughs> Shout out to Liz. All right. So let's get into it. Today we're talking to Allison Antoinette, which I just love that name. I kind of like picture a big, like flowy, amazing dress from back in the day. I don't know why. It's the Antoinette, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, she is a business process consultant and she has a natural knack for order, which she does. Um, she delivers over a decade of operations experience spanning across corporate, political, and nonprofit sectors. Through process documentation, hiring and training, and foundational systems, Allison helps small to medium-sized businesses thrive profitably, serve more clients, and create high-performing teams. Yeah! Quick fun fact, Allison and I met through Hey Mama, which is an online networking group for working moms, not just freelancers or consultants, but any mama who is working. Um, And now we are real life friends. Uh, We live about 15 minutes from each other and our kids are pretty much the exact same age. So that's really fun. Um, And I've gotten to hear her really cool story of entrepreneurship and her journey and how she is doing it now while juggling life with an almost three year old. 
And I think I heard you say at some point, Allison, that you're going back to school. So we're going to have to dig into how that's going to fit into the mix, too. Um, So she's going to tell us about her journey, what services she offers, and help to just paint a picture of what it's like to be a business process consultant and what that even is. Um, So welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you. So excited to be here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you. And uh, welcome to the show, Beth. Yay. Beth, for those of you who are listening, whenever I intro Beth, she raises the roof silently. So if you watch a video, you'll be able to see it. You'll know which one I am. (laughs) Anyway, thank you. I'm so so excited to be here. We're almost going into our second year of podcasting. And um, so, Allison, you're here at a great time. We kind of know what we're doing. (laughs) Almost. We're getting there. So welcome. We pretend anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We're faking it. But anyway. (laughs) I think that's uh, at the heart of entrepreneurship. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Just try it. So we always, before we get into kind of where you are now, what that looks like, we'd love to start off with just understanding a little bit of your story, your career path up until this point to just help us understand where you came from and how you got to where you are now. So tell us about yourself, Allison. Sure. So I didn't come from an entrepreneur background, nor from a family of entrepreneurs. I have zero modeling in my family for entrepreneurship. The closest thing that I had was my father, who was a loan agent for uh, jumbo loans is what they call it, which was like 500,000 or more borrowed at a time, or maybe it was a million. I can't remember. But, you know, he obviously had to work on commission. And, you know, the model that he provided for me was just work a whole lot, (laughs) work lots of hours and and just work really fast. And that was it. So that was that was all the modeling that I got. But I did start my career in politics. So I had initially wanted to be a lobbyist on environmental issues on Capitol Hill. And so I had started off working for a U.S. senator to California, Barbara Boxer at the time. And I was on the administrative side. I actually interviewed on the policy, uh, like legislative side to, to do policy research. However, that was the first of what would end up becoming many jobs where they, the person I was interviewing with just found me to be the perfect fit for either admin or ops. Like people love, just they, they just love hiring me for those roles. And I never quite understood why, because it to be honest, it was never what I wanted to go for initially. But based on my personality and just kind of my natural skill set, um, that's where people wanted me to be. And I ended up providing, you know, just a lot of help with each of the companies that I worked with. So... I started off in politics and it was when, um, it was in 2004, I was on a US Senate campaign in Florida, working as a director of operations. And my candidate, who was the Democratic nominee, lost by 1% to the Republican. So I was actually out of a job. And I had a conversation with my cousin, who's a few years older than me, and she's the one who planted a bug in my ear for the very first time about starting my own business. And at the time, her idea, she was a new mom living in San Francisco, uh, fairly, you know, just busy, lots of hobbies, like they they were a very active family. Um, 
And she was saying how much she wanted someone to help her get things done, not just like around the house, but run errands. And and that was the time where the concept of a concierge, not a traditional like hotel concierge, but more of a personal or business related concierge uh, had just started to come onto the market. And you were starting to see a few higher profile office buildings set up a concierge at the front anyway. And so she planted that little bug in my ear and I decided, I don't know, I, I don't remember that clearly my thought process at the time, but I certainly didn't want to stay in politics. It was a, it was just a difficult place for me and my psyche, you, you really need to be someone who has a thick skin, who has a competitive nature, um, and who's just highly driven no matter the pressure. And I, that's just not my personality. So I, I didn't actually do that well in the political scene personally. And so anyway, she planted this bug in my ear of starting a concierge service, and I called it Ask Allison. Ooh. And so that was that was really kind of the, the first step into starting my own thing. And that was at age 22-ish, I think. Mm, no, okay. I must have been. Actually, no, I was a little bit older because that was when I got out of politics. So that was like 24, 25. Yeah. So how did that how did that pan out and where did that then lead to? Yeah. Because there's been several other businesses, right, since then? There's been so many businesses. Let me tell you, I am a master <laughs> of brand branding and creating logos and building out messaging like that's my favorite part of building a business i've had many businesses that never made it past that stage i got the low like i did all that like i got the name i got the logo i got the messaging i got the tagline i got the idea about the services i got the business card i maybe even had like a single landing page and then it just never went anywhere because I didn't mm -hmm. know how to actually start a business. I didn't know what you did as a first step beyond, you know, like, okay, so, you know, beyond creating a logo and a message. I really had no idea. And again, I didn't have any model in my family. I didn't have a background. Like my education was environmental policy. I had no education in business. I, and I didn't, it didn't even occur to me to look into you know at the time the internet wasn't what it is today and so it just didn't even occur to me to look for business educational courses to help guide me on what to do i was just kind of figuring it out as i went um so mm -hmm. that particular business <laughs> didn't go anywhere well i did have i had one proposal i did put out one proposal so i got all the things set up and then there was a, um, I was living in LA and one of the um, high rise buildings in Century City, I can't even remember the name of it now, but they were looking for a concierge service. And I put in a proposal for that and had an interview. And, and that was as far as I got, to be honest. I love it. And I, I love the message of that because it, there's a couple of things there. One is like, just keep trying and like, don't take any failures necessarily as like, oh, this, I can't do this or this isn't going to work because we're going to get into it. But we fast forward and you're doing great now running your own business. And um, I remember we had someone on called Paul Miners and he was talking, he's a productivity coach. And he, he was talking about this stage in business and how I think we had asked him like any tips for anybody out there. And he said, you know, just start 
working on getting people to give you money for your services. He's like the logo, the messaging, the website, all that is like really fun. And a lot of people can do that and, you know, whatever to varying degrees. But he's like, it's the getting people to give you money for your services. That's the hard part. And so if you can start there and prove that people will give you money for whatever it is, then you can go around and like actually build the like fun part of it. And I I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one wants to hear that. (laughs) But he was right. Yeah. yeah, sometimes you just have to get started. Yeah. So let's fast forward, Allison, to maybe the last, I don't know, five or so years and take us through how you've gotten to what you do today. Yeah. So my path into running, owning a business or just having my own, yeah, being my own boss is a little unconventional in that I was a terrible employee. I hated, I, I, like, I hate following the rules. <laughs> this is why we also got as a teenager, and then I was that way as an employee. Like I hated following the rules. Nine to five, you know, lunch at a certain time, like doing what you're told, having to report, like all the things, being in the closed invite, you know, office space, the wall. Oh, just I couldn't. So I either quit. I quit most of the time. And a few times I got fired for poor performance because <laughs> I didn't care, you know? So I was a terrible employee. Um, <laughs> I really had no option but to figure out how to make money being my own boss because I was like, I've got to figure this out because I, I can't stay employed. It's just not working, you know? And, you know, I ended up finding, you know, I just, and, and the thing is I was never taught how to fish. And so I realized that this was, at the time, it was this um, really beautiful kind of uh, 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 transpersonal lesson that was happening in a very kind of practical, tangible, you know, survival-based way, which was, oh, you know, I'm one of those kids who, you know, was fortunate enough to be raised in a family, you know, my family wasn't wealthy, but, you know, we had enough. And my parents were such that they would would do things right. They'd just kind of get me what I needed. Mm-hmm. And so um, for the first time, I was really learning how to create for myself and and feed myself and go out and fish. So um, I was through trial and error. Like the, the first business that was actually successful was a cold pressed juice company uh, that I had in Santa Barbara. I, I was a total health nut, am still. And my girlfriend Again, a suggestion of someone in my life had said, Allison, you are so good with nutrition. You know, I go to these juice shops. It was the very beginning of the juicing trench. I go to these juice shops and I pay whatever tent we were living in LA. So of course it's super expensive. We're paying $10 for these juices and they're pretty good, but you could do this. And I was like, sure, I'll I'll try that. Why not? (laughs) So I was like, how do you make juice? You know, I got to start recipes. So what I did at the time was contract. I white late, I went into an existing juice shop and I said, Hey, I'm going to focus on making the sale. How about you make the juice and white label it for me? And I'll put it under my logo. And that worked really well. That started off as a once a month juice club, you know, where the women were purchasing a three day cleanse and I would make, you know, over the course of three or four days of work, I would make a thousand bucks in profit. Love it. That's great. (laughs) So I started that, um, as a full-time business in Santa Barbara and, and juicing was a hot thing and I knew it wasn't going to last. I also knew that 
in order to make real money, I mean, multiple six figures making juice, I would have had to open up a brick and mortar, which I had zero interest in because again, sticking to one spot, like just planting my feet and being inside four walls wasn't for me. I was, I'm a gypsy at heart. I love to travel. Like the whole reason I wanted to, you know, be my own boss separate from needing having to figure out how to make money was so that I could travel around the world and work from wherever I was, you know, that was the idea at the time. So really that was the first business that was actually profitable. I think that the first year I made 180,000 in sales, which was nice. a big deal. What was nice about it, although it's a skill I'm having to learn now is that because juicing was such a hot thing, I didn't have to market or sell. People sought me out. And so all of those sales basically fell in my lap. I just had to figure out the ops side of things, which was a total disaster. Because even though I got the juicing done and it was this phenomenal product, I spent so much money on cost of goods and labor. I didn't want to do the actual work. Like I didn't want to make the juice at four in the morning so it can be delivered fresh at 8 a.m. on someone's doorstep. So I hired a bunch of guys to do the work in the kitchen, but there went a big part of my profit. So it was this whole thing. I just didn't know what I was doing. I was feeling my way through it. um, And it worked out for a while until it didn't. And as soon as I started to lose money, I saw that and saw that red flag and took it as an opportunity to pivot. So following that, I made the commitment to myself then mentally that I was never going to go back to a nine to five job. And so I didn't have the option, but to just figure out how to make money from there doing something other than making juice. And I started to take on contract work um, wherever people wanted to hire me, which at the time, because I had been in Santa Barbara, which is a small city, I had a pretty big community of people who knew who I was. And there were multiple small businesses that wanted to hire me for marketing and branding and and then a few years down the road, operations and admin. And I just started taking contract jobs. I played around with pricing my services. I played around with how long I wanted to contract with a company, three months, three years. You know, I just, mm. to be honest, there was nothing methodical or strategic about it. I really just felt my way through it. So it was quite messy. And yet at the end of the day, I always made ends meet in a way that didn't feel like I was like just getting there, but felt, you know, comfortable enough. Um, I've never been a big spender. So I have to say that, you know, financially, it wasn't until this current business that I started to push, you know, just push the envelope in terms of the the actual dollars I was making. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know, I made it work. So I had always contracted in house and meaning I would be someone, I would come on as an acting operations manager or business manager or administrative, like executive assistant, because I did a lot of that in my twenties between the Senator. I worked for a big nonprofit, um, global environmental nonprofit. I worked for Jack Nicholson's family, the, the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had a lot of that in my history. And so uh, people, you know, people were wanting to hire me that, for that in-house. And and once I had my son, two things happened. One, I got really motivated to make a lot more money. <laughs> two, I just had to pivot in how much time and when that time was spent on mm-hmm. business. 
So in those contracts where I was the in-house director of operations, even if I was only working 10 hours a week for that company, I had these other side projects that required me to basically be a part of the team temporarily and Mm -hmm. then having to abide by their operating hours. Mm. So I needed to, I needed more control and control over my operating hours. And that's why I pivoted into the model in and now, which is, you know, just looking to build out more of an agency model. And I take on shorter term contracts and I'm not in-house. I delegate, I offload a lot of the work to other people and I stay focused on sales and client relationships. Cool. I can kind of do the work whenever I want, you know, separate from like the one hour client meeting that has to happen at two, you know, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. I can do the actual work whenever I want which is the best thing ever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there's a couple of things that I just want to call out there. And, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people who are like right in this transition point of trying to figure out what their next move is. And um, I had a great conversation with someone the other day about like this mentality shift of like you go into a job, like a standard corporate job or small business, whatever it is, and you have this job description and like that's what you do. And to change that is kind of a big deal or to change jobs is a big deal. But the thing with entrepreneurship and doing your own thing is that there is there doesn't have to be like this perfect job description that you go out and do. And in fact, it's almost, you know, it's scary and exciting at the same time to just step out into this unknown with like a kind of plan, but not really know where it's going to lead you. But that's fun because you get to sort of follow your curiosity. You get to follow where different paths lead that you had no idea even existed, which is a huge part of why we do these types of episodes. Like, oh, someone does that? I could totally do that. That's a thing? People pay for that? You know? And so I just want to call out how great it is, Allison, that you just kept following what was interesting to you, but also following what was going to serve you in that point of your life, which is different when you're in your 20s versus when you're in your 30s versus when you have kids and you have different financial needs and time needs and all that kind of stuff. Um, And just tuning into that intuition and knowing, hey, you know, this juice business is really cool, but like it's time for me to go and do something else, you know, and you got your feet wet there and got that sweet, sweet taste of lovely profits from a business and Mm -hmm. then moved on to something else. And so it doesn't, for those of you listening, it doesn't have to be this perfect straight line. And in fact, it's probably not, it's not going to be. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's some reprogramming, I think that people are having to do to understand that and to like accept that and be okay with it. Cause that's kind of a weird gray area to step into, especially for people like us who are like, operations minded or like organized and want to just know how is this going to go? you know. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah. You know, um, it, for me, it was so important to be able to follow my nose because my nose is what and who I trusted more than anything else. You know, I read all the books. I mean, I attended, I went, like I looked at Marie Forleo videos and I signed on to like Amy Porterfield courses and I did all the things, you know, I got all the mainstream education, but I couldn't follow their framework. I couldn't, like, it just, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. You know, I'd take a few steps and then, and then squirrel because my nose is the one that I trusted. It was the, it was the embodied, it was just like, it was part of my body, right? You know what I mean? Following my heart, following my nose. It's just, it's, it was my body guiding me and my body is the one that I trust more than anything else. Um, So for better or worse, you know, but the benefit of going through all of those educational 
courses and watching the countless videos and being a part of like women's mastermind groups to learn is that I know a lot about how online businesses operate. A lot of them operate similarly. And I know the component parts that are fairly reliable to put, you know, that when you put those in place, it's a, you have a pretty good chance that things are going to come together, you know? And so it's gaining all of that knowledge helped me to get, even though I didn't follow it, helped me to get contracts <laughs> in the years following. Oh, that's interesting. So it's not like you felt like it went to waste. Not at all. Not at all. Because yeah. even though I didn't apply it to my own business, I could go into someone else's business and look at what they were doing and where they were having breakdowns and say, oh, well, A, B, and C. Have you thought about that? You know? Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, That's, those are great ideas. <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> oh, well, thank and you. You know, that wasn't from my experience. That was just borrowed knowledge from, you know, all the established ex experts out there. But I've also, another important piece in the puzzle for me is, was the mental shift away from building a business of my dreams into building a business that supports the life of my dreams. Oh, I like that. Because I was a personal and still to a degree am a personal development junkie, right? So I loved all the books around, you know, being your best self following your dreams, doing, doing the thing, manifestation. Uh, I just, I got really deep into that and why that was limiting the irony for, because of how, what that content is designed to do and teach and inform you to be or become. The irony of that is that I had it, I, it pigeonholed me. I sort of pigeonholed myself into translating that into it, like wanting to translate that into a business that was, I was super passionate about and is the one that I had big visions about. And that was the business I wanted. And so those business ideas, to be honest, were the most difficult because when I pursued them, one branch of which was coaching, right? Like I went through the whole season of wanting to be a coach. Um, mm -hmm. It felt like pushing a boulder uphill and again and again and again. And it was going against what felt like ease and flow in my body. And so, but I was like, but, 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 but it's my, but this is my dream. This is my big vision. It should come to fruition. It has to look this particular way. And it, and there was at one point, and it was when I was pregnant where I said, you know, I'm going to set that aside for now. And I'm just going to focus on where life is opening doors without me having to push or push hard. Mm. Let me just receive what's naturally coming my way. And again, people wanted to hire me on ops and admin. I was like, okay, I don't love this work. I'll actually find it quite boring, but <laughs> yes. I, I am good at it because I'm a Virgo. So I'm just obsessed with organization. I'm a highly critical mind. So I'm always noticing the gaps, which is terrible for relationship, like terrible for my marriage, but great for business. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, it was a really important pivot because how I got to this job was by saying, look, I'm going to, I'm going to just going to say yes to life and see and, and pay more attention to where the flow is naturally happening instead of where I want it to happen. And it's supporting the lifestyle that's really important to me at this stage. I love that, Allison. That is such a gem of a concept right there. And I really hope listeners are really tuning in. And if you're driving or doing something else or something, I hope you're pausing and listening to this part of the conversation because 
again, part of that reprogramming that I think needs to happen is that, you know, and something we talk about too, is like our businesses should be built to support and and bend around our lives versus the other way around. Mm -hmm. And in corporate America and in whatever, whether it's corporate or whatever kind of job where you're like a captive employee, as Beth calls them, you know, you're kind of expected to bend your life around the needs of that business. And when you're working for yourself, you don't have to do that. And you can find clients that you really enjoy just working with. Like maybe the work itself is not your dream job, but like you love the person that you're working and you love supporting what they're doing and supporting their business and what their goals are. And your skills come in at the right time and you get to do this cool thing. And then you get to go be with your kids. And is that a dream job? Well, in some sense it is because you're making money working with cool people, getting to choose who you work with and then going and getting to live your life outside of that and have a life outside of that. And I just love, I love that concept, Allison. Thank you for bringing all that up. We're going to have to do another episode on that. <laughs> if I may, I also want to say, um, Tiff, that what she just described is similar to our thing that we say, which is universe, do your thing, right? Totally. Right? So sometimes we you have to... That. Let it go, whether it in a spiritual way or some other way, you just have to say, let me listen and absorb and let things start to happen. Because you know what, when you have to make everything happen, that's a lot of work. But if you can just take the momentum of things that are already shifting and make it work for you, it's a much easier path. Yeah. The, the motto of making something happen, the mindset of like make it happen is actually quite popular. It, it really is socially totally celebrated. Is. And yet no one ever talks about the cost of that and how not everyone can make it happen. They work their butt. I mean, there are plenty of professional athletes who work their ass off their entire life, focused, dedicated, and they don't make the cut. They still don't make the cut. There are a thousand ways to kneel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we can have this conversation like for hours. It's too bad we're not in I person. Know. <laughs> I know. Well, Beth, just come on out to California. And I know. I was going to say, you two get to hang out together because you live close by. But, you know, if you ever want to visit Maine, here I am. <laughs> there has never been a better time to leverage your experience and network to launch a freelance business. We want to teach you how. Check out our You Can Do This course, where we teach you the eight key steps that you need to take in order to hand in your notice and never look back. We answer questions like, what services should I offer? How will I manage it all as a busy parent? How much money can I actually make? How do I find clients? Do I need a website? How do I set up my financial structure? And how do taxes work? By the end of the course, you will have filled out a playbook, AKA a business plan, that will give you the confidence that you need to quit working for the man and start taking control of your time, your energy, your income, and your schedule. Head to kenzacollective.com slash you can do this or find the link in our show notes to learn more. Okay, now back to the episode. Okay, well we, Allison has a hard stop in 15 minutes, so I wanna make sure that we start to talk and pivot this amazing conversation into like some really practical stuff and just understand what it is that you do, Allison, and how that, you know, works in your day-to-day -day life of being a mama to an almost three-year-old. So I'm a business process consultant and what does that actually mean? That means that I either write myself or work alongside business owners and their team 
to write processes and SOPs. Process, SOPs and processes are different. SOPs, processes, policies. That's it. And why do we do that? We do that for multiple reasons. Each business has a different reason for why they're building their processes is important to them. Um, but at the heart of it is just efficiency, productivity, um, you know, client retention. It's it's getting organized and uh, and standardizing how things, how those recurring tasks and projects are done. So that way the outcome of those recurring tasks and projects is reliable. And so I come in, you know, my, my general tagline is building a team that you trust. And the reason why I approach it through trust, and this applies to a seasoned business owner and a brand new business owner and someone who has 50 employees or a hundred and someone who is looking to hire their first VA or social media assistant. And, and that is, you know, to delegate, to, to hire someone on who you are delegating tasks to. It, on the surface, it is a very seemingly just kind of linear, like black and white thing. And underneath that, it's actually not at all. Your business is your baby. It's a part of you. It's a part of your, you know, creative force. It's your, you know, you just, you have, every business owner has a heart in it that they understand that no other person after them that they hire will ever have in that business. Mm -hmm. And so to establish trust is really the, the best glue um, and, you know, kind of support structure that you can put into place between you and the team member that you're going to be delegating these responsibilities to. And when it comes to the conversation of trust, I often hear trust spoken about in a very, again, kind of black and white, simplest, overly simplistic, you know, way, such as, oh, I just need to I just need to, you know, trust that they can do it, give them a chance and, you know, let go a little bit, right? Like I tend to get too controlling or micromanaging and I just need to, I just need to trust that someone else can do it besides me. And so mm -hmm. let me just give it off, you know, let me just hand it off to them. And my perspective is that's actually the last step. There are many other steps that are available to you that you can take to, that are, that are measurable, that are trackable that do lay the foundation for trust, but that doesn't make trust so, you know, kind of watery and kind of like, um, you know, difficult to grab. That's actually something that is, um, you know, that you can sink your teeth into. So I, first and foremost, I'm just gonna kind of tell you my general, the, the overview of my five-step framework to building the team that you trust. And within that is process documentation. That's a key component part. So the first layer, and, and I'll use the analogy of, you know, um, taking a, a road trip together. Like, let's say we're, you know, let's say we all want to go to Vegas. <laughs> we're going to okay. go to Vegas. Right? I'm in. So the first layer is um, establishing a clear job description, KPIs, and hiring a team according to your core values and your mission, right? So if we're all going to Vegas together, I want to make sure that if I'm hiring the two of you to support my trip, that you actually want to go to Vegas. Like, hey guys, we're I'm going to baby. Vegas. Do you want to go to Vegas? Okay, great. Hell yeah. That helps. Now, let me actually tell you what your job is. You're responsible, Tiffany, for making sure we've got good tunes during the trip. 
And Beth, you're responsible for making sure we've got um, like, you know, a comfortable temperature in the car, like, you know, keep it around 70, 72 degrees at the highest. (laughs) And so that's really the first layer. And the second layer to that is the process documentation piece. So it's like, okay, great. Now we know where we're going. Now you know what your job is. And, And then let's say the two of you come to me and you're like, okay, great. Well, I've never... I've never managed, you know, the tunes in a car the way to Vegas. I've never, I don't know how to work temperature in this car. And I, as the business owner who knows my business, who's been, who's used to wear all the hats says, I've been there. I've documented processes for you for how to manage the music and how to manage the temperature. And that's what process documentation is. It's just like, hey, here's where we're going. This is your job. And this is how you do the most important tasks in your job, like the ones that have the biggest impact on the bottom line, according to the KPIs I've set, not just for your role, but the king metrics that we have in our business. So I don't need to tell you how to work the seatbelt. I don't need to tell you how to work the windows. I don't need to tell you how to really do anything that's outside of your immediate role and the thing that I need you to stay the most focused on, right? Like how to work every part of the stereo system in the car. I just need you to know how to control the tunes in the way that I've identified as, you know, what would make, according to the destination that we're going, the experience that we would want to have in our business. Does that make sense? Totally. That is, that is such a beautiful analogy. I love, I'm ready to hire you right now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so typically the businesses, you know, when it, like, let's speak to just the solopreneur real um, experience. So, you know, for these business owners, which is the majority of your audience, they're going to be hiring their first VA, their first social media assistant, and maybe a second person, a graphic designer or website designer. And now in some of these cases, they don't know how to build a website. So they're just like, Hey, here's the general idea for what I'm looking for. And, uh, can you figure it out? Right. And that might be for like the website designer, but for the VA, for instance, it's really important for for the business owner to understand that they do have an expectation for outcomes and they need to identify what those are, write them down and be willing to communicate them to the team member, in this case, the VA that they're bringing on, because otherwise they're going to be setting the person up for potential disappointment of disappointing experience uh, down the road. And Separate from that, there are things that they want done in a particular way. This is how I like my calendar uh, managed, right? This is how I like um, my clients responded to when they email me. And so to simply, you know, hit record or write down a few steps when you being the business owner go through that task yourself, it makes it that much easier and that much more kind of measurable and trackable for um, when you hire that VA and transfer those responsibilities, you know, all of a sudden what you're doing with the, one of the most beautiful things about process documentation is that you're no longer, it's no longer about that person for the most part. It's no longer, meaning it's no longer personal. It's no longer like, oh, they're, they're just slacking today. They're dragging their feet, something like you know, or they, I don't know, they just don't care enough or they, um, they just have bad attitude or I don't know, they're just not good enough. It, it, mm-hmm. it really helps to take it out of the relationship and put it over here as something that the two of you, say you and your VA can work together toward in reaching instead of like, oh, is this a good relationship? Does she know what she's doing or doesn't she, you know? So it just helps to depersonalize the job. 
That is, that's so great. And I can see how needed that is. And when you frame it like that to a business, I can imagine, or business owner, I can imagine them hearing all of that and like taking a big, deep sigh and being like, yes, that is what I need, (laughs) (laughs) which is a great outcome when you're working with clients and pitching them. It's like, you want them to feel like you're going to come in and lighten their load and remove friction from their lives and from their business and help them get closer to what they're trying to do without being an extra to-do list on their item, on their, um, the to-do item on their list, you know? Um, so that's just, that's so cool what you do. And I think I know a lot of people are going to, especially women, sorry, men, but I know a lot of women are going to really resonate with what you do and how you do it. Um, so thank you for walking us through that. Let's quickly pivot before we run out of time here. I want to hear about how your day-to-day is. Let's talk about you, Allison, as a mama and what it's like to run this type of business mm-hmm. as a as a mama. Yep. So uh, I am thankful. <laughs> I just am happy because, you know, I just running the business. I'm an operations person by day, but like I really am an artist kind of and gypsy at heart. So it means that like outside of my actual business, it, it's a little bit not chaotic, but it's just like, oh, go with the flow. Um, but it all does work out. So my thankfully, I have my son is in daycare and he's in a home with five other kids. And it's a really wonderful family that he's with. And so I have that support. That makes all the difference. I when I've had to work and have my son at home at the same time, my productivity is cut by 70%. I just, my physiology isn't set up to multitask when my son is present and not being watched by someone else. Like, Mm Like, I just, you know, my attention is on him. And so I might be able to send a few emails while he's home, but like, that's it. You know, I can't do anything real complex in my business. So I ha- I'm someone who had to get support. That's first. Second to that, um, I, I'm also, like I said, a health nut, self-care person. So I can't not exercise, meditate, right? Like just take some downtime to do whatever. And so most days I, I work from roughly nine to three. So six hours and I, you know, and in that I take little breaks, right? I get lunch. I, I kind of zone out um, because I just, you know what I mean? I guess I can't stay focused for that long. Um, so I'm in a position where just observing my natural way and my personal needs for productivity, I'm not someone who, who is successful with longer days or pushing through without attending to the other needs I have. Like those are all foundational for my day-to-day function. And so I have, I've had to figure out how to earn enough money, a reasonable living within the hours that I actually have available. And that's pretty tricky. And it's kind of a, it's a bit of a, a dance all the time. Week to week is a little bit different. You know, I, Monday through Thursday, roughly nine to three is pretty reliable, but Fridays are hit or miss and nights 
There's usually one night a week where I'm staying up a little, you know, I'm staying up till maybe midnight. And I'm okay with it. I actually enjoy working later at night because the world is is really quiet and it's much easier for me to think, assuming I've had enough rest. Otherwise, I just go to sleep because I can't focus. Um, so that's another piece of it is just staying fluid in the schedule and really surrendering to the truth about my body and my capacity, right? Which is, here's what I can do. And so I got to make it work within the time that I've got. And then the third component part is... Um, yeah, is really slowing down and keeping my keeping a hold of um, staying on top of my expectations for growth in the business. Because what's most important to me right now is spending focused time with my son, and so I'm not really interested in. I'm just not that interested in in taking more hours away from him other than the time he's at daycare in order to push for more sales or get really organized around my content creation. You know what I mean? I just, and I'm okay with that. Like I just, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I don't have a lot of thirst for consumption and materialism as a whole. Like I, I just, I don't, I don't have, you know what I mean? Like I just don't, I don't need to produce to get more things or more experiences. Like I'm, I'm really good. I've really been practicing and I've naturally fallen into a place of just sincere contentment with where I'm at. I love that. And one of the words I'm meditating on right now, as we go into like the second half of the year is to just simplify everywhere, all the things. And I think that as us parents enter into this next season of whatever is going to come with COVID and some of us are transitioning into freelancing or consulting or trying to get there. Um, I'm just encouraging everyone to embrace simplicity in every place of your life, in your business, in your consumption, in um, your needs and, and what you think you should be doing and what you wish you were doing. Just try and like taking all that down a notch. Um, I found a lot more space in my life. And I think that that's kind of what I'm hearing from you, Allison, is just trying to keep things simple and, and we don't have to like buy into this hustle, 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 hustle mentality, you know? I would love to continue this. And I know that we all have time constraints as we've talked about. So let's wrap up. Um, tell us, Allison, where we can find you and get in touch with you um, outside of, you know, or within your business. Yeah, my website is allison-co.com. Don't be surprised if that changes in six months because I like to change my brand a lot. <laughs> So my are listening to this, but for now, it's allison-co.com. Allison yeah. with with two L's or one L? Two. All right. A-L-L-I-S-O-N-co.com. And then she dabbles on Instagram, I've noticed. Dabble. She's a dabbler. Mm -hmm. um, Allison and co underscore official, which I love. Awesome. Well, thank you, Allison. Let's get you off to your next meeting. Thank you so much for joining us on the Kenza pod. Allison is also in Slack with us. We have a free Slack group that you can join and get support and advice and bounce ideas off of other like-minded parents who are right there in the trenches, trenches with you. So if you want to join us and join the conversation and say hello to Allison or me or Beth or anyone else, go to kenzacollective.com slash Slack. Um, the link's also in our show notes below. So check that out. And thank you you everybody for joining us on today's episode of our so you want to be a business process consultant thank you allison for your time have a great day thanks bye
Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Kenza Collective to stay in touch. And if you have a moment, please drop a review for this podcast so that we can reach more parents and help them create a life and a living that actually works for their families. Have a great day.